Hello, welcome to Soul Led, a podcast dedicated to the evolution of your soul and the development of your spiritual gifts. I am Nikki Novo, your spiritual mentor, a fiery Latina, mom of three, and a lover of all things intuitive. You're here because you're meant to be here. So let's do this. Welcome everyone to another episode of Soul Led. I'm excited. Are you excited? I'm extra excited because we have my friend, and I always call her my muse, Angelica, with me today again. But this time we're going to talk more about her, less about me. Last time she did me the favor of coming on and helping me out. But I'm excited to talk all things Angelica. I feel like our relationship has been, you know, work and mentor related. So there's just so much more I want to know about you, Angelica. So welcome to the show, Angelica Ray. Welcome. Thank you so much for having me. Exciting to be back again in a different little way that we're going to do this this time. Yeah. So for those of you who don't know Angelica, I'll briefly, if you'd like missed the first episode, but I'll tell you a little bit about her. So Angelica, first of all, is our, you know, head soul mentor. She's our senior soul mentor. But before that, or currently also, she's just a, like extremely gifted intuitive. And she came into my practice, you know, by accident, just showed up for a reading once. And right away, I was like, I did, you know, it's not like she was using her gifts on me, but I could sense that there was like something really special about her. And I, you know, kind of, we kept in touch and I told her that I thought I felt like I needed to teach her something. Like I felt like we were supposed to work together. And um, she said, yes. So we started working together. We did a bunch of like healing and things like that, but we also went into some of the intuitive stuff. But Angelica, I would say it's probably, I, I think not, I hope nobody else gets jealous about this, but I do feel that Angelica's like, one of the most natural talents I've ever seen. You can definitely teach people. Um, I mean, I've been teaching people intuition and it's amazing to see like how somebody goes from like a zero to a hundred. But Angelica was like the one that I was like, wow, like there's just so much raw talent here. And uh, I was just happy that she decided to work with me. So, but in addition to that, Angelica is an amazing, like I said, she's a natural intuitive. She's an energy healer, a breathwork facilitator um, and a certified professional coach. So she does all the things in Soul Collective. Everybody loves your breathwork classes and continues to watch. I have, I'm a total pansy and like has not, have not signed up for breathwork. I have reached out about breathwork and I have not pulled the trigger because I just feel like it's going to be very like transformative or something for me. So I'm kind of just holding out a little bit, Angelica. So, but welcome. Thank you so much. So many beautifully kind things. So thank you for saying all of that. Um, (laughs) It's so funny. I think we had that instinct. Like I was basically a hot mess, like pretty much a hot mess the first time we had a reading. But I remember being on that call. And number one, like we have talked before about people who can like morph their energy and kind of like project what they want other people to read. So I was very skilled at that. And of course, Nikki and all of her ability was able to kind of like see through it, you know, even though I was kind of throwing up the smoke and mirrors. But I remember leaving that call and she was talking about the Akashic records in it. And I was like, oh my gosh, I want to learn. And so I had reached out to you like the next day, like, Hey, can you teach me to do this? And you were like, oh my gosh, I wanted, I've been wanting to like teach you too. Here's what it looks like. So that's kind of how we got started, which is a few years ago now, almost like almost two years ago and wild ride. So I always say like, I never, I never force people like into breath work. It's like the service that I will push quote unquote or market the least. Why is that? Not now, why aren't you not pushing people? What is it about breathwork? 
it is like really transformational if you, a couple things. Number one, more so than anything else, you have to be called to the practice for it to like work. You kind of have to be willing and ready for it, for it to have that transformative experience, I think. Um, it really is like a calling, kind of like I would imagine plant medicine or anything like that is. And so, yeah, I just don't want people to like get there because they feel kind of like they were talked into it or obligated into doing it. And then it, the magic doesn't like happen because they don't bring. Them. So breathing actually was like one of the things that as a kid, I, my, I had like such an awareness of my breath as a child, if that makes any sense. And I remember having like telling my parents that if I would think about my breath, basically I was having anxiety and I couldn't explain it to them. But I remember telling them like, if I thought about my breath, I would like run out of breath or something. And like those fuckers had no idea what to do with that. My mom was like, okay, interesting. (laughs) Um, So I think like there's a story there with my breath. So that's why I'm holding on to it. But I promise I'll do it with you, Angelica, when it's time. But let's talk about, I have lots of questions for you. So first off, Missy. So tell me a little bit about, you're currently in Atlanta, but you were born in California. So as a kid, what did you think you were going to be when you would grow up? Oh my gosh, so many things. So when I was really little, I always wanted to be like a crime scene investigator, which is hilarious because I cannot stand the sight of blood. Like I am the most weak, anything out of place, any like broken, none of it. I can't do it. It like makes me nauseous. But for some reason then I thought I could do it. So that dream was laid to rest. I went to school for integrated marketing communication. So I went for like marketing and business. And I thought I wanted to be uh, like in agency work, like in communications and brand strategy and all of that. And then while I was in college, I started working at a bank. And so when I came out of college, it was kind of like the natural transition. It was just to stay in my role and kind of like move through some of that stuff. And it was so interesting because I realized that what I loved about banking was actually like sitting with my clients and like teaching them about financial literacy. And I now realize what I was doing was like having like coaching sessions, like, you know, healings and like life coaching sessions with people at this bank, which is why my sales were like shit, because, you know, you're supposed to like get in there and like get them a checking account and get them on with their way. But like, I was like, no, we need to like heal their money story. And we need to like have a Tell me about your great grandfather's money problems. (laughs) Actually. So yeah, I was uh, there for a little while. And then I, so I had that realization that I really loved the teaching component, which then I took very literally. And I applied for Teach for America because I was like, I'm a teacher. So I'm going to like become a classroom teacher in the only way that we think about teachers showing up in society. So I applied for Teach for America. It just so happened that I had family that lived in Atlanta. And I can remember coming to visit them as a little girl and always thinking, oh my God, I like love this city. I'm going to live here one day. Like even being on MARTA at like 10 years old, which MARTA is not a sexy, like it's not the place that you, you know, you don't hop on the the Metro transit in a city and think, oh yes, this is what really turns me on. But for some reason it did. So Teach for America um, ended up placing me in Atlanta. And I was like, oh, this is like serendipitous. This is meant to be So I moved to Atlanta with Teach for America in 2012. 
I did a couple weeks of classroom teaching and then it was like time to go into summer school. And I introduced myself to a room full of eighth graders in summer school in Atlanta, in one of the rougher neighborhoods here by my first name. And I was like, oh, fuck. I'm, I don't know if I'm allowed to cut on this podcast, but I was like, oh my God, I don't, this is, nope, I'm not ready for this. Like, I'm not, this is not it. So went back to banking for a little bit and then moseyed my way back into education in a operational capacity. So I ended up with a charter network and doing operations and founding a high school. And that's kind of where it really took off. And that's where we met. Okay. So I have a lot of, I wrote down notes off of something because I didn't want to interrupt you. So the first thing is I could never, ever imagine you as a teacher for America, just because, you know, you're, you're kind of high maintenance, man. So (laughs) that did not, I could see that not working out for you, buddy. (laughs) No, it didn't. I mean, it did in a lot of ways, but it did in a lot of ways. We like ended up back to where we were supposed to be, but yeah, it was an interesting, it's kind of like roughing it, you know, like you gotta, yeah. like, you're like camping basically. Camping. You know, camping. Yeah. It's not even glamping. You're camping. Oh yeah. Yep. yeah. Well, I was like that at work too. Like I, when I, cause I was a publicist first, I was my, that's what I studied PR and I didn't love that. Like the publicist was always like at the bottom of the barrel and like my Leo self did not enjoy that. Like I, that was, I think that's like, and that's something to think about when you're, when you're figuring out what you want to do for work. Like the first thing is like, it's not so much like, what's my purpose? What's my passion? But it's like, what fits for you? Like I knew that I needed to be. So when I was an editor, it was like, I was like in all my Leo glory because people wanted to talk to me and they wanted to take me out to lunch and they wanted me to write about them. And even though I was getting paid like $30,000 a year, I was like, I was loving all of that. And even in the publicist, as a publicist, I was making more money actually. But for me, like the, you know, so I could imagine Teach for America just capital. You were getting paid in attention. <laughs> <laughs> so, oh, I didn't know that about you. I didn't know you did. So that's how you ended up in Atlanta. Yes. Oh, and then you loved it and you stayed. And then I loved Atlanta and I stayed. Yeah. I've never, I don't think I'll like, I don't have any desire to move anywhere else. I really love it here. So Aww, that's beautiful. So, and then the other thing that I thought was interesting. So you said that, and this is like so important. I think also when you, when you're trying to figure out like that career thing and you're, you know, you're trying to figure out like what it is, like at some point you heard, or even your intuition, right? Like you heard your intuition tell you like, Oh, you're a teacher. Like that was something that this awareness that you had. And it's so true. Like how many times do we like have those hits, but then we take them literally. And that literal, I, I, so I had a similar thing too. Like I knew that I wanted to help people at some point. So when I moved back from LA to Miami, I had like this very short stint of a, a nonprofit. And I was like, oh, I'm supposed to help people. So like, like the literal version of that was like, I must work at a nonprofit. And that was miserable. Of course, my Leo self wasn't happy there either. Cause if you've ever worked at a nonprofit, it's like pretty much everybody is like the, is like housekeeping over there. You know, it just feels like you're doing it. So anyways, um, but that's such an important, how, like, do you think that that's just natural that at some point our intuition is just not like as sophisticated and we have to take the literal, or do you think if you like sit with it a little longer, could you have gotten more or did you feel like it was part of the process? I really feel like it's part of the process. I feel like it's breadcrumbs, you know? So I think a couple of things, number one, we do ourselves like a huge disservice as a society by like telling 
15, 16, 17 year olds that they're going to like figure out the thing that they're going to do. And then they're going to go a hundred thousand dollars into debt, figuring out that they're going to do it. And then like, boom, they're going to come out on the other side and be happy about it. In my experience. And what I've seen for a lot of like clients too, of course, is it's much more of an unfolding. It's much more of a, like finding the breadcrumb and not being so fixated on like, this is the thing, but trusting each kind of step along the way to reveal a part of the thing. Yeah. I don't know too many people, like, of course they exist, but I don't know too many people who have like been like, okay, they knew that this was the thing. It's always been the thing. And they've lived their whole life being satisfied in one particular role or career, but Right. They might be doing one thing for a long time. It doesn't necessarily mean it's like the thing. So do you feel like doing intuitive work and the work that you're doing now, like the intuitive coaching, all that, does that feel much more home? 1,000%. Yeah. And I've been thinking so much lately. It's been a really interesting like couple of weeks, but I've been thinking about a lot about like the power of your own, like creation, your own creation, your own mind and how it, it's so cliche, but it's like, I created what I'm doing now without realizing ever that it's what I was creating along the way. Like, I remember I had this board. I wish I had a picture of it, but I had this board in my, like a little um, chalkboard type thing in my bathroom. And it was basically like three sentences of what I was manifesting in my dream career. And I was knocking on all of the doors thinking these doors were going to fulfill this thing. But now when I look back and I remember the essence of that board, it's like, oh my gosh, like what I'm doing now perfectly checks all of those boxes. It's just so different than what I thought it was going to be. I don't know. Yeah, no, because you, you know, like, I think it's just going back to what you were saying, like the lot, you know, that like we're looking, that logical mind's like, oh, I'm a teacher, I'm supposed to go into the teach. So it's like, we try to categorize these knowings or these feelings that we want, but often we don't have the awareness of it yet. You know, it's like, you have to kind of keep walking until there's like openings that show you these whole new worlds that you just didn't know you exist that existed. Like, um, and that's just part of it. I mean, that's why I love, I usually always say yes to teach to talking at career day for my kids. Not that I go in and say that I'm a intuitive. I don't go that far, but I think that, you know, like, it's just that sometimes we have these ideas, but we don't, we don't know, like we're not getting like inspired enough to expand those ideas as much. So um, I usually like try to go and like teach them different ways of being. And especially with work, like, you know, a lot of the things that we're doing today, like they didn't, they didn't really exist when we were kids. You know, nobody was going to come to our, our career day and tell you that you were even like a podcaster or an intuitive or a coach or whatever. So it's just part of, I think the expansion that we've been having like work-wise too, that I don't think there was, so I don't know. My kids have very weird things that they want to be like, not weird, but I think we've given them enough space to pick whatever they want. So like our middle one wants to be a YouTuber. So we'll see like what, but he says he's going to wait till he's 10 to be a YouTuber and he's eight. So, you know, you need to wait double digits to get on YouTube. I mean, everybody knows. Cause I told him, I'm not editing your videos, man. Like if you're gonna, if you're gonna do that, you gotta be old enough to know how to edit your videos. And then Allie's so funny. Like she definitely has like healer vibes, all that, but she's like a tired old soul. Like she's like, nope, not going to do what you do, mom. That sounds very exhausting. Like no interest I've already had like my (laughs) healing journey. So we'll see what she'll do. But anyways, okay. Tangent. So for me, when I met you, like it was so natural. Like I almost like already saw you as an intuitive. I know you were transitioning out of that job, 
But what was it like in that, the, the school job that you were doing as um, at the charter system, where did you think you were going from there? And what made you decide to start walking that path, even though there wasn't like a really clear path? Right. That's a great question. So what I thought I was going to do um, and what I truly like with all of my heart wanted to do was to go into fundraising for that organization. I wanted to like you said, I'm very bougie. I wanted to like rub elbows with the rich people that had money and bring it back to the schools that needed money. Like I knew that I could interface with people and I could kind of do like a little Robin Hood situation. So that was the vision. Can I tell you? I'm laughing, guys. (laughs) I mean, it's very fitting. Um, every, Every door I knocked on to get there was slammed in my face or never opened. Like it was, and I've said, you've heard me talk before. You'll hear me say like, this is not like me being, you know, bougie or pretentious. I literally have never had a problem getting a job. I interview very well. I like, I've got the juice normally. So it was like very strange to me that this thing that I wanted so badly and that I was so naturally a fit for was not working out. And it was like a year of it not working out where to the point where it was like, I would get to the final round of interviews and then they like, wouldn't be hiring for the job anymore. Or I would be made this promise. And then, you know, we're going to move you here. And then like it, you know, we couldn't, it was just like so many weird things. And that, that forced me to like, to stop and figure out what doors am I actually knocking on? And while that was happening, I was going through my own like excavation process and really taking an inventory of my values, my skills, what are the things that I really like doing? Where am I naturally like inclined with my talent and my interests? And that came back to like spirituality and woo-woo. Like I've always kind of been interested there. It came back to in this setting, in the school setting, I had a group of mentees, basically like advisees. And so I was with them, my, yeah, I had a couple of different groups, but like my full official group, I was with them from the time they were in ninth grade all the way to the time that they graduated. And so many of those conversations were coaching conversations. They were like life skills conversations. Now I realized they were healings, you know, and I couldn't really put my finger on what I was doing, but I knew there was something there. So I started off with a Reiki certification and a life coaching certification. And I was like, okay, this is cool. And then I had kind of seen some intuitives. So I kind of had a framework for like what that might look like. And I knew I had a natural inclination towards that. And then how did it, there was like a couple people along my path who were like, can you read me? And I was like, I don't fucking know, like, let's find out. And then I did. And that was like, that was kind of the beginning of the the end. And I started, I opened my business on my birthday in 2018. So September, 2018. Yeah. And then, um, I was seeing, I was like moonlighting kind of, and <laughs> both things at once. And then finally by like, I don't know, February, March, I was like, okay, I'm going all, all in on this thing. What did your first reading look like versus what it looks like now? Okay. That's a great question. So my first reading, I was very card dependent in the beginning. Okay. So I did use a lot of like tarot cards, Oracle cards. I think that's kind of how it started. I remember, oh, and astrology. So I would like look up someone's chart and I would like synthesize information from their astrology. I would lay some cards. I would synthesize information from that. And then 
that's how my readings went. Yeah. And that is like, I mean, that's perfect in the beginning. Cause I think that the cards and the charts and all that, they just like help us start that process. It's just, it's actually like the validation. I mean, I think the validation that we teach in soul Academy, it's like that this is just validation, but without a person, you know, it's like you have a chart and you have these cards. So you have these kind of ideas, but at least you have this paper to help, you know, these things to help validate what you already know. Exactly. And it gives, I think for a lot of us in the beginning, our intuition is very nonverbal and those things give verbal credence and like words to what you might be sensing as energetic patterns or laws or, or way, the way things are, I guess. So it helps to give your mind like, oh, I see this thing and it means this thing helps to kind of contextualize what you're feeling, but don't have words for if that makes sense. Yeah, definitely. So what, when you were starting to like get off the cards and the, and the chart, cause I know you don't use charts anymore. So what, um, what was that process like for you? Were you scared? Did you like, did you go through a process of like trusting your intuition a little bit deeper? Well, one day I had this reading with this lady named Nikki Novo. <laughs> <laughs> you were really the one that was like, no, 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 no. Like this can't, I remember one of our first sessions, like, how long are you taking? What is your process? Um, and so I, and I kind of shared that I was like doing all the cards and all the charts and you're like, well, what are you going to do if you're like trapped on an airplane and you need to like read somebody, you know, you were like really instrumental in kind of weaning me off of those, off of those tools. But yeah. And then you wrote, okay. And then, so you, and you're officially like, you know, complete, well, you're, I know you're completely off, but what's so funny about you is that because I didn't know you then in the beginning, what I just find interesting, like knowing you now is that. I mean, you're, you're similar to me that like, you'll just kind of stop and like stare into the sky and then like things come through, like, which is what I do. Like, we just look like weirdos. We're just like, like just kind of you're talking, you know, somebody's talking to you and then these things. And what was funny, what I loved about you, which I had, but I remember having to like hone you in was like how you were so open that you were receiving messages like all the time. And I was like, Angelica, we cannot be giving messages to like the guy at the gas station, you know? It's yeah. Yes. I, yep. And I think that's like, again, that's kind of like where the ego starts to kind of come in with this. It was a really cool new party trick. And it was a way to get again, like validation and attention. And my ego loved being able to tell people about themselves in that way. So it was really fun until I was like fucking exhausted all of the time. And like started realizing that like a lot of people, yeah, when you like present yourself that way and you're like, I'm here to like give of information, you almost give people and out and you give yourself an out from having to like present yourself authentically because then you kind of like relate to people based on the service that you're providing or this party trick rather than having to be emotionally vulnerable or like raw or authentic with them. So it's it's an interesting play in the power dynamics of the relation of like relationship building. Definitely. And I think that, um, what's a few things too. I think one is like, especially when you're like thinking that you want to make it your work, you know, at the end of the day, like you have to hold that product very sacred and that service very sacred. So like not, you know, not overusing it because this is like what you do for a living. But then also, yeah, I saw that early on in my career too. Like I did these readings for these girls. I was doing, you know, like sometimes you read one friend and then they bring you four friends, whatever. And then all of a sudden you've read the whole group and it's like, you know, the whole group dynamic and that's always fun but I was still reading in Miami and I was reading locally. Like I was seeing people in person at the time. 
And I read the whole group and then like the whole group invited me. There was like four of them, I think. And they invited me to hang out, like to go to dinner or whatever. And I thought I was like going to dinner with these girls. But then all of a sudden I show up there and it was really just like, how can we like not pay Nikki, but pick her brain, you know? And that's when I was like, oh gosh, like it's like a blessing and a curse sometimes. And I think that's why I'm grateful to like my girlfriends that I've had forever. Like they don't give a shit what I do. They don't, they've never asked. And of course, if they would ask, I would definitely read them, but it is kind of tricky when you have that gift and if you lead with that gift, like you can be taken advantage of really quickly in your friendships. Absolutely. Yeah. It's really, it's an interesting. (laughs) Has that happened to you? Like, no. So, um, I mean, part of coming into this, like starting to do this work really seriously, and I've told this again, like a lot's very transparent part of my story. I kind of lost, like, first of all, I'm not the type of person that has had friends from like childhood. I've always kind of been a person who like is really invested in the moment. And then like, as I evolve and change, I'm okay with like relationships evolving and changing. And so that's that. But when I started doing this work, which then of course was the catalyst for like my own healing, what came first, the chicken or the egg, I don't know, but I fell out of alignment with like my the closest friends that I had had since being here. So I kind of like lost all of those relationships. And, but in, in doing that, like I've come into alignment with like relationships that are way more suited for me and the people that I'm closest with now, number one, like I'm kind of training them to do this on their own. Yeah. And they're, um, you know, they are like proud soul seekers and soul leaders and all of that stuff. And also they're really, really mindful. Like if we're going to, if I'm going to go into that space for them, they see it as like, not their friend, but as like a. And like a moment, like, like a specific, like, can you do this for me for like this specific thing? Correct. Yes. And there's usually an exchange, like they want to pay me because they know that's how they're going to get the The best, the best information. Yeah. 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 So it's great. So speaking of friendships, I actually had friendships in my mind because my daughter is, she'll be 16 in August. And as we are like transitioning from, you know, moving from Miami to North Carolina, I've just been like reflecting on the way my generation has raised kids here in Miami. I mean, Allie is old, like I would have had, she's Benny's from a previous relationship. So she, I would have been like, um, I think I would have had to have been like 24 to have her, which is young for like Miamians. Most Miamians similar to like big cities, we start to have children like around 30. So she's like her, the parents of her friends are, are older than me. They're closer to Benny's age, but like the way we're raising girls or kids is is different than the way like we were raised, I guess, because my generation was raised by immigrant parents. And then now it's like the children of immigrants are raising kids here in Miami. And you know, in Miami is like, it's what you see on TV, you know, like we grew up on like P Diddy, like boats and like, you know, all the things like the clubs and the outfits and, you know, all, all the stuff. So now, you know, I'm kind of faced with this place of like, but the difference was that like my friends, we, because we like came from nothing, I guess there was a little bit more like humility or something, but now it's like these girls have everything and it's highly competitive and uh, a lot of just like jealousy and gossiping. And I didn't experience that. And I know that that's natural because I think, you know, society in general, like we watch these reality shows where girls are like fighting against each other. Like that's what we like to do on our pastime, you know? So we've been raised to like, 
be fighting against each other. I was lucky to like be in a bubble that didn't have that. That was just like not part of my story, but it's hard to see Ali go through that. And I've been thinking a lot about like jealousy and I even wanted to reach out to like her cheerleading team to see if I can give a talk on jealousy. <laughs> and, I'm and I was like, my team will kill me if they hear me like saying that I'm like doing a, a, a talk on the side, like if I have time for that stuff, but it's really like, I don't know. So thoughts about girl relation, like women relationships, things that you've learned along the way, just any kind of talk, any thoughts about that? Yeah. This is such a loaded, first of all, like my heart just goes out for 16 year old girls in general, because it is such a crazy time. And it was crazy. Like when I was 16 and like, I was getting all of my images from like, you know, Cosmo magazine or like whatever, but I can't imagine being 16 and seeing what these kids see on their phone or like, it's just a whole different ball game. So it's interesting. I've had very, I mean, you know, you know this about me, like one of my biggest things is like the sister wound and just kind of like having, that's a big part of my story is my female relationships and how they come about. Jealousy. What about jealousy? You know, I guess it all stems from like not knowing yourself and everyone trying to vying to kind of like figure out themselves. And that's really hard when you're 16. You don't have the context yet for your own strengths, your own skill set, your own purpose, your own path. So you're constantly kind of looking to the sides to rank yourself, to place yourself, to contextualize yourself. And with everybody doing that, you have like a lot of like you know, headless chickens kind of like running around trying to figure out the pe pecking order. And yeah, you add in some hormones and some, you know, boys and some outfits and some Instagram, and it's kind of like a recipe <sighs> faster. But I'm, I'm so curious, like, what are your thoughts? What if you, if Danica did in fact, let you go have this talk with the, the cheerleading team on jealousy, what would it consist of? Well, I mean, so if you think, I think it's, I would, since I've been thinking about this, I, I think it's funny because what's hap what, what happens to you, like when you're a teenager, even in, or even in your early twenties, cause you know, your twenties are really about your friendships too. Like it's teenage all the way to probably like early thirties that you're like really thinking about your friendships. And I think it's funny that like they exist in their own little town because when kids are in high school, like that's their little neighborhood, like that's their town. We're not in their neighborhood. They're in like their own neighborhood. So when there's gossip, like the whole neighborhood hears about the gossip where if I, as a, you know, 38 year old adult, if I would start gossiping about somebody, it's not going to spread the way that it spreads for her. So Allie's been running her mouth and, <laughs> and finally, it was such a good learning experience for her though. Like it came back to her and she was like, this person's saying this about me. And I'm like, yeah, but what you've been saying about her sister. <laughs> mm -hmm. And she was like mortified that she had created that, you know, like she realized that she, and cause it's so it, the fire is so much faster in high school. Cause I could go and like, maybe if I wanted to go talk shit to a friend right now, I can get away with it. But like in high school, you can't because you're talking you know, like you guys, they all exist in this little community. It's all they have going on. And it was kind of like heartbreaking, but also like kind of funny. Benny was like, oh my gosh, she's such a shit talker. I'm like, she is a shit talker. <laughs> so, but you know, I think it's like one thing that I wish I would have learned. I don't think I would, I don't think, like you said, like my head wasn't, you know, our, our minds are not developed, you know, like we're, we're still figuring it out. We don't know ourselves enough. Um, I think if I would have learned that the 
that people are jealous of me or of all of us, right? Like there's always somebody jealous of you. Like that's just the truth. No matter where you are in the pecking order, there's always going to be somebody jealous of something that you have. And um, I was never explained that. So what that ends up happening, what, like what I'm seeing is happening with these girls is that they're getting, like people are jealous of them and then kind of looking like they're, so then they start talking shit about them, but they don't understand that it's like actually almost in a way like a compliment. So learning, I think just learning girls to know that jealousy means that she has something that I wish I had or that she has something that I think I'm never going to be able to have. So it's either like lack or an awakening. You know, it's either like, oh my gosh, I'm so jealous of Angelica. And if I ask myself like, why? Maybe I'm like, well, she has like beautiful skin and beautiful hair. And it's like, there's a part of me that thinks I'll never have that, that there's like not enough of that for me. Or, you know, like it's just awakens something in me that like, maybe I want to feel prettier, you know, like maybe I want to do more of that. So nobody teaches us that and it causes all this miscommunication. And then it causes gossiping, which gets you like in real big trouble. That's so interesting because it is like, you can you can see there's such a fine line between jealousy and inspiration. And if you like actually just show the delineation of like, no, follow your jealousy, but then look at actually what is the inspiration and the motivation that lays right underneath it. You, it wouldn't feel so icky and it wouldn't feel like a poison that you have to pass. It could just be like, Oh, this is an opportunity to be inspired or to desire something I didn't know was possible or right. And to see what, or even like to see what desires are in me. Cause I mean, we don't always know like the desires that are in us until somebody expands us. And it's just, sometimes we have like an opposite like reaction to it. So that's really what I want to teach to these high schoolers. And, and that's, I think where we get to like the positive side of the internet and like social media and just like our general, like accessibility in, you know, in this era that's where it can be really helpful is because, you know, if you grew up in a town full of like farmers, you might only ever think that like farmers, that's the only thing available to you, you know, but if you grow up in a town full of farmers now, and then you see that there's like miners and welders and doctors, then like now all of a sudden, all of those options are available to you, even if they're not, you know, immediately visible. Yeah. There's like so much. And then the other thing that with the, like with the social media stuff or whatever, what I teach Allie. So my, my sister-in-law is a plastic surgeon and I make her like check what my sister-in-law is doing to people all day so that she can see that like a lot of the people that she's up against that she like looks at online and she's like, oh my gosh, this girl's so beautiful or this and that. And they, they, they're her same age but they themselves are like doing so much work on them. It's also just kind of letting them watch how things online are, you know, how they become the way that they are. So that's part of also like another thing of mine, but anyways, but yeah, I think like friendship wounds, like or sister wounds, like some of it comes from the mom wound, you know, like it's like the first woman we're trying to interact with and we might not know, but then it goes straight into like moms, like not knowing how to it's a, it's a lineage, like it's a lineage thing, like almost like the mom not knowing how to like support the daughter through these processes. And then like we as mothers of daughters are so triggered by what's happening um, that really it's just the daughter calling out to the mom for the mom to heal whatever, you know, is stuck like within them. So that's my idea about that. So going back to that age point and then we we will change the subject, but like going back to the age point, it's like so many of us like the awakening process, at least for me, didn't come till like 
28, 29, 30. And like a lot of people I know have had kids by that age. My mom had me, I think at 24, right? Nice. So it's like, oh my God. It's like, <laughs> you haven't even had a chance to like, they're having to heal. Like, you know, if you're lucky enough to have a parent who's willing or a mom who's willing and ready to do the work, the likelihood that she's done all of that before bringing you into the world is like really slim, you know? So, so the, even being like aware enough, like when you're raising the kid to, I mean, like, you know, aware enough to like see it or catch it. And and it all moves so quickly. You know, there's so many things that like I messed up with Ali and Oliver that I'm so much better at with Ethan because I have this like huge range, you know? So it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's hard and you can put a lot of pressure on yourself through the process, but you can only just, you know, let your kids, I, what was helpful for me as a kid was that was when I realized that my parents were human. That didn't happen to me like until my twenties. So I really tried to teach the kids that my husband and I are human, like at a young age, so that they take us off that pedestal real quick, you know, like, cause then they can not be stuck on like something that we're saying that might not be, feel right for them. They'll know like, oh, these people, they don't have it all together. So maybe they could be wrong here. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's healthy. That's the way I try to, I try to do it. It's kind of, it's, it's kind of a cop out in a, in a sense, but it's also, it, I, I feel like it covers my bases if I, if I do it that way. Yeah, no, it's, it's like you, not feeling the need for your kids to see you as like God or like the ultimate. Yeah. But again, you wrote such a beautiful email a couple of weeks ago about power and it's like giving your kids back the power to, yeah, to know. Yeah. It's such a misuse of power sometimes like as a parent or, you know, and I've been thinking about power a lot because like, you know, the more, even just being a, you know, being a coach, like you're, you're in so much power and I like, don't take any of that lightly. So I'm constantly thinking about, you know, allowing the person to have power. I mean, anybody who does intuition work, we've all gotten into that place where the person on the other end thinks we are more powerful than them. And we've bitten at it for sure. Like, not out of ego, but sometimes just out of like wanting to help the person and kind of, you know, there could be this place where you, where the person thinks that you have answers that they can't access. And you may, out of like wanting to soothe them, you may try to like find all those answers. And I feel like it's such, it's such tricky territory. And I know that we're always in that territory, but always thinking about like how, which is why we teach intuition, right? At the end of the day, like that's how I think we all got into this place of like letting people have their power back. But I know it's just, it's tricky. It's tricky work because it all goes so fast. Have you ever been in that place where the person like, has anybody come back to me and like, you told me that on June, you know, 2020, like this was going to happen and this did not happen. So any of that? I haven't had a ton of that, but that's because I really tried not to I, I, I can get into the prediction bag. Like I can, but I try really hard, especially as my own understanding, like you said, of power and power dynamics in these relationships is evolving. I try really hard not to like, to show people their agency so that they understand like what you do can like put you on this path or take you off or you can change it or whatever. And allowing people to have that understanding of their own agency, I think prevents them from getting so pigeonholed into an outcome that they then say like, oh, you were wrong or like whatever, you know, it's, it's in hand. So I'm sure I have had people come back and say, or I'm sure I had people think that whether or not they've like come back and said it. it's completely different, you know, but yeah. It's all the way, it's like all about the way like you deliver and I think you, you show up. So going back to like, you know, when you said that you were knocking on all these doors for that fundraising work and like nothing was opening. So that brings us into like fate territory, I feel like. So 
because in that moment, like, let's say if you were really into manifesting, which I know you teach manifesting. So if you were really into manifesting, you can go like balls against the wall with manifesting that stuff. But then there's like these crossroads that lead us down, I think, fate. So how do you, um, I, I do not have an answer. I'm always playing with this concept, but wondering like, what are your thoughts about the intersection of manifestation, your own agency, like drawing your own paths and this weird little fate thing that shows up every once in a while? So I think about a lot of these concepts in terms of like school-based analogies. So this one kind of came to me around this idea of your soul comes in with a like book of standards. Like these are the standards that you have to learn in this lifetime, whether it's like multiplication, division, you know, how to, you know, conjugate verbs, whatever it might be. Like the lesson or the standard is that's the fate part of it. Mm -hmm. That is the, like, you don't get to circumvent that. The free will part is how do you learn that lesson? So, you know, there's so many different ways to teach multiplication tables or to teach, I mean, even to teach a kid to tie a shoe. shoe. Is it like the two loop method or is it like the loop and swoop method, right? And that is the free will part. So I think about if the fate is the lesson I'm going to learn and the free will is the choice about how I learn it, that's what feels good to me about the intersectionality. In that case, like the sign, like the stop signs, the yield signs, the flashing lights were so not like ignorable. Like I couldn't, I couldn't dismiss them anymore. There was something here that I was like clearly missing and clearly like a detour and a reroute that I was meant to take that I think I would have done myself like a huge, first of all, my mental health was like suffering at this point, like to be completely transparent. I was so exasperated and trying to push through that any further would have probably like broken me. Mm-hmm. Like probably would have just, I probably would. And maybe like that was the, you know, like even you following your intuition on that, like that is the, that was your path. Like yeah. that was the beginning of, of stepping like more, you know, that kind of like, that is the intersection right there. Like being like, okay, what if for a second, I stopped following, you know, what I thought I was supposed to do or, you know, using my brain and I'm just going to kind of follow here, this, this intuitive feeling. Exactly. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. So other question that we've been talking about off, off podcast, off microphone lately. So we are currently filming during or recording, excuse me, during a eclipse season and, and we are both like in a place where we're trying to see like our current like our most nearest future and we're being blocked a lot for on our own selves. Cause we're both, I think similar to each other, we can read other people, but we can also sense our own path pretty easily. We like to vibe off of each other and like, you know, do little like brainstorming together if we need it, but we're pretty good at seeing like our own paths and we're both in a place right now that like we're stopped So what do you think about that? Like, what do you think about like the fact that we can't see what's like super here in front of us? Very strange, first of all. (laughs) Very strange. I'm not sure I'm a fan, but I get it. And then, so what has been really helpful for me, and we kind of, again, we were talking about this like off mic, but what has been really helpful for me is looking at all of the things that I have created thus far 
and remembering like the way that I did that, even when I didn't know exactly what I was creating. And this is like very typical manifesty, but it's like manifesty like rhetoric, but really trying to focus on like the feeling and like what I, the, I can't see shit, but one thing I can feel really clearly is like the holiday season, like November, December, October. I can feel that in my bones. I know what that feels like in this new home, who's around, what it looks like, what it feels like. I can like get in that vibe. So even though I can't see like any of the steps to get there, and again, kind of that feeling of exasperation, I'm like focusing on like, I know that feeling. I know when I have that feeling about something and there's no way it's not going to happen. So like, let me just take my hands off the wheel a little bit kind of how I've been moving through it, even though it's yeah, same. I mean, I'm on the same boat over here. So I'm having, so you guys know, I've been, you know, we bought this land in North Carolina. We're, you know, heading over there, but like we have to sell our home first to, to get there. The home hasn't sold yet. So, I mean, I'm, you know, we're in the summer, we're in this crunch time because I want it, we want to be there by the time the kids start school in August. And like, we missed that window. I'm not sure if I don't, I don't know if we would like actually like move them in the middle of the year. We would probably wait another year, but like, we're really ready to get there. And which is so rare for me. Cause I can, I mean, I can sense pretty much like, it's not that I am like, oh, this is going to happen. This is going to happen. That's going to happen. But, um, it's very rare that I question a path. If that makes any sense. Like I walk my path and like, this is going to pan, this is going to pan. Like it's, it's, it's okay. I could see that like, how this is working. And I do know that this is going to pan especially, and, and I think that that's the way to do it. Like you have to kind of look at, first of all, what has led you here and maybe how serendipitous like the rest was, you know, like everything that has like led me here has been very, you know, very divinely orchestrated. So that gives me a lot of peace of mind also. And then also like we were saying off mic was like, there's, so when this decision is made, which is like, you know, when this house is sold, let's say, there are so many like intricate little other pieces happening. There's all these other puzzle pieces happening on the other side of this that I trust that those puzzle pieces need to be supported by this one choice. So I trust that like those puzzle pieces might need a little more time from this end. So it's like almost kind of makes me feel like there's a party, you know, being planned and they want to set a date, but the people on the other side that are going to like actually host a party, you know, are just like, you know, and we want to do the party too, but like we need a few things to fall, you know, in place so that we know like what date would be perfect because we want to give you that perfect party and all those things. So it feels more like it's like the other side that is causing like this side to slow down in a, in a sense. Does that make, does that make any sense? Complete sense. And like you and I are also really comfortable in like aligned action. Like we're really comfortable. Like when I know it's time to go to like go and I know the thing right. to do the levers to pull and to use your party analogy, it's like that you can't pull any levers. Like the party company has to do that. You yes, know? Yes. Still- and then like the vendor that's hand, like the yes. outside vendor has things going on. Right. It feels a little foreign to be like, okay, like I've done all I can do. Like, you know, it, it is really that surrender, but it, it's extra awkward when you're used to knowing what levers to pull and trusting in your ability to pull them. Right. But the universe is like, there's no, there's no levers for you to pull right now. Just sit down. Yes. (laughs) Worry about all the other million things that are happening in your life that actually require your attention. Well, that's what I was saying. I was like, I have so much other shit going on. Like seriously, Nikki, like you're so busy as it is. Like, do you really have to sit here and worry about like your house being sold? Like you're supposed to be writing a book and like, 
I don't see your ass getting up and like writing these things. Like I just, you know, it's like, it's almost like I'm looking for another distraction to not do what I'm supposed to do, you know? So maybe if I stop being distracted, it'll happen faster. Are you trying to pull a lever? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) I'm thinking if I do what, well, I'm I'm making like, I'm almost like making uh, exchanges, you know, basically I'm like taking bribes. I'm like, okay, well I'll do this. If you give me this. Exactly what you're doing. (laughs) Oh, Angelica. Well, and you know what? Angelica is, she came in as a, as a dating client and now she's like very happily in love. And, um, I, I love that all of that work is like in you because I know you get a lot of dating. What do you get the most? Like, do you get dating? Like, is there, do you feel like you get a niche with your readings? I get a lot of dating, but I, it's kind of all over the place. I get a lot of people who are just like really ready to embark on their healing journey and just kind of like need validation that it's like time to mm. where to start that process. Okay. A lot of affirmation of like, this is what's been sort of been feeling. This has been percolating for me. And I get a lot of people who are just like, need someone to be like, yes, that is super valid. And here's the rocks to look under to kind of start that journey. With that. Mm, beautiful. Yeah. I see like, you're almost like, like the visiting center for when people are like <laughs> process going through the path. Beautiful. And then, um, but you're also doing coaching clients, right? Do you still take coaching? Yes, I am. I let the, I let the universe manage that too. So like, you know, I, I'll have like months. There was one time where I had like, like six or seven people on my coaching roster at a time. And then that kind of shifted. And now I'm doing like way more readings and I have fewer coach, uh, few, fewer clients on my, um, on my coaching book, but I kind of let the universe manage my calendar. And even, even in my coaching work, it's so unique to what each individual person like needs at that time. So it's not even like I can like market it and this is what we do and this is how we do it because it's so specific to each individual. So, yeah, I think that's the best way to work. Like, I mean, and the, the readings at the end of the day, like the person comes in, they, they have that moment with you. And if they, you know, since we're really trying to encourage people to feel into their intuition, like typically, you know, that will, the, the person will know, they'll have an idea and they'll ask that, that question. I do the same thing. Like I, well, I'm not doing coaching anymore, but my calendar was always going like, sometimes I had a lot of readings and then like a few coaching clients. And then sometimes it was like a flip. So I like them both. The coaching is like amazing to see the, the progress. I mean, I think about your progress, which is amazing. Like it was just like full on business. You have this, this real living, breathing thing. It is very crazy. And anybody that knows me knows I swore up and down left and right for the longest time that I was never going to have my own business. And I was really, oh my gosh. Yes. Why? Be an entrepreneur. Well, a couple of reasons. Number one, I saw that firsthand and like, to me, entrepreneurship equaled instability and irresponsibility and lack of structure and finances and all that stuff. So I had to like unlearn that programming. I don't know. I just thought it was weird that people didn't want to have like stability. And it wasn't until I changed my understanding of what stability actually meant. But that's so funny. I didn't know that. Oh yeah. I, you know, it's funny. I actually find jobs. Like I have the, the opposite programming. Like I remember when I was working and I always felt like stable in my job. Like I was always a good employee and things like that. And I always like felt, you know, qualified and I wasn't afraid of like losing my job or anything. But when I kind of started thinking about money, I thought, 
because I feel like forever I worked with like not caring about money. I was just like there for the job. I was so excited about like the different work that I was able to do. And I always had like fun jobs. And I even like that. I, I remember my first few interviews. I was like, it doesn't matter what you pay me. I'm just happy to be here. <laughs> like people were probably like, what? How much money does this girl come from? Which is the answer is, is not a lot. <laughs> my poor dad came with like an outfit and that was about it. Um, but I was just like excited about the work. But then later when I thought about money, I found working for other people, like for me, that felt unsafe. I felt that I couldn't, like if I, I always thought like, what if I lived off this one salary and like one day something catastrophic happened to me? I don't know, like my roof, you know, imploded and I need to fix my roof. Like not being able to make the money to pay for that because I was like stuck at this salary, that made me feel very unsafe. So I was like, no, I want to be in control of how much money I make. So that was, that was like why I don't, like, I find this to be much more safe to the point that Benny and I are, I mean, you're in the same boat. We're both entrepreneurs. Like we just, I find the other thing to be unsafe. It's so interesting. Yeah. And, and a lot of people do. And it's, and I'm just now starting to understand that concept of like, I think we had this conversation the other day, but just like more is more like you can, there's like now I can see how like a salary is limiting or like can be limiting when your business that you create from your own energy can like expand or contract if you need it to right. as much as you need it to. Like it's very flexible. It's very um, responsive to like your needs in a way that maybe like a traditional um, traditional job might not be. So it's been an interesting evolution. I have one last question for you, Angelica, that I, I meant to ask earlier. So you're from California. You don't look like a typical Californian and you don't look like what we would think. I think a lot of spiritual teachers, you know, are popping out of like the West Coast or whatever. I mean, there's, I feel like in the last few years, we've definitely finally have seen a bunch of different other looks, but can we talk about how you like, you're super intuitive and spiritual and you love your eyelashes and your extensions and your eyebrows are always, people are always asking you during your card readings, like how you get your eyebrows, the way you get them. <laughs> so can we talk about like this place of spirit? Like why do people think that we're supposed to like look a certain way or be a certain way when we're spiritual? That is so lame. Do you still get that? Yeah. I mean, I just think it's a lame way to think about spirituality. I think it like, it's such a narrow human perspective, like that only people that look this way can like show up with these gifts or like only people that look this way can have this X, Y, and Z like vibration. I just think that's so horny. So first of all, second of all, like my, like, you know, we talk about like authenticity or whatever. I am just a naturally bougie person. Like even my mom will tell you like her favorite phrase to say to me. Your mom is not like super bougie. You know, but she is, but okay, she's okay. She's like, she is, she's nice things. Yeah. She, I mean, she's an artist. So like has just a natural inclination for like beauty and, and luxury. It's probably more like of her generation. That's probably like the, like you're, you know, like almost like a, similar to her, but like in this generation, so it looks a little different. Right. Exactly. But yeah, I like, to me, nice, nice things, feeling good, looking a way that I like to look is, feels good to me. So like, however I can feel good is fine. Like That's like actually what we want, you know, like that's what keeps me in my power. That's what keeps me showing up authentically. That's like the, the feeling of good. And so if that comes with like 
extensions or like a sleek straight bob or if that comes with like eyelashes or like you know a hundred thousand appointments <laughs> my old boss used to make fun of me all the time we had such a great relationship and I would constantly be like <laughs> I would constantly be like sneaking out of work for these like appointments you know I worked like a seven to six fucking day at the office, but I would like sneak out to like get my lashes done for like an hour and a half or, you know, like whatever. You had to keep it up. You gotta, you yeah. Had to- <laughs> but yeah, I, I think like whatever makes you feel good and puts you in touch with you is, yeah. Yeah. How to do it. Yeah. And this is like not a career that's like, I don't know that, that is the only thing that, that connects all of us is the fact that we're, you know, heart-based and that we're like trying to support people, but everything else is like, however you want to do it. You know, it's annoying because sometimes people like put us in like a wellness box or like a, you know, green eating and that's no, none of it. And you've been like super expansive and just, you can do this thing however you want to do it. Like you can do, and I say this thing, meaning like this life or your career, you can do it however you want. And that's, what's, so beautiful about the time that we're stepping into now is you get to, you really do get to choose. Yeah. Whatever you want to do with yourself in your life, like you get to do it whatever way you want to do it. My mom taught me that. So I've I've had that young, it's backfired on her because now she's like, you can't just move. What about work? And I'm like, mom, you told me I could do whatever I wanted to do with my life. And like, look at me now, you know, so I don't have to be anywhere. And so she's like, damn it. (laughs) Um, but yeah, well, I'm so happy you're in the world, Angelica. I love you so much. You are a beautiful friend, a beautiful heart and an amazing reader. So obviously, and I love just like having you on the team and just always collaborating and brainstorming and laughing together about things. So thank you for coming on the show. Angelica, you guys, again, is a senior soul mentor. You can book a reading through our site to, with her. Um, she also has like a lot of her private events. Um, she does like manifesting and breath work and she always has like cool things going on. So you want to follow her on Instagram for that, which we'll, we'll link, uh, we'll put all that in the show notes, but what is it? Is it Angelica Ray? Angelica Ray. Okay. Easy enough. So yeah. Ray's R-A-Y. Correct. Yes. And thank you for having me, Nikki. I will sing your praises until the end of time, but you know, speaking of people teaching us that you can do and have and be like whatever you want, that you are the person for me that was, I'm not going to get emotional. That is so lame. But you were the person for me that was like, you're going to do this and you can do it any way you want. And I just continuously look to your example. And it has been a, a true blessing to know you and to have you in my life. So thank Aww. you. And I love you. And thank you for what you're creating for all of us. Thank you. You're welcome. And thank you. I wonder what we were in, in a past life. I don't know. <laughs> podcast episode another episode all right guys thank you so much for listening get to know angelica you'll love her and we'll see you next time bye thank you so much for listening i love you guys so much if you love what you're hearing would you mind leaving a review or sharing with a friend that little review does so much it's so damn helpful you don't even know so thank you for that And if you're ready to unlock your spiritual gifts, enroll in my three-level program, Soul Academy, or join my free community, Soul Collective. I'd love to have you there. The links to join are below in this episode. Until next time, love you much.